0: sometimes bad shit has to happen in order to clear your path for better things and the more that you go through these tough things the more that you're going to learn how to do them next time when that, when it happens because it's it, this is life like 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 you're going to have bad shit happen to you you are going to lose your job you are going to break a bone you're going to lose money you're going to have to adapt and the more that you have to adapt the more that it's that you're going to be able to adapt later and do better later when it happens again because it's not just gonna happen i don't care who you are you're not gonna have a perfect life something fucking bad is going to happen to you and you're going to have to adapt to that you control the situation with the way that you react to it
1: all right matthew johnson what are we about to get into to begin this podcast
0: Raw liver, ketone IQ. Okay. So, I'm getting into a little bit of raw liver. I've been trying it a couple days. Um, It's supposed to have amazing health benefits. Um, It's supposed to be one of the best, most nutrient-dense things you can do on the planet. Um, And obviously, you know we're gonna dive into it, but we are recovering from a broken bone, so I've been trying anything I can. I have hopped on the raw liver train.
1: dude it can't
0: hurt it can't hurt right
1: i'm just looking at it i really appreciate the fact that you salted it for me it looks like pink himalayan sea salt on there yes so i respect that um beyond that though i'm pretty intimidated uh we do have a ketone iq so i'm sure we'll be jazzed up here in about you know 15 20 minutes i've had this one time but basically the world has blown up over that product exactly so So
0: what's better than raw liver yeah ketone iq energy focus I mean, everything you need right in front of us. All
1: right. So I was told not to chew it. I'm not going to chew it. I'm just going to swallow it, I guess, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there and just rip the podcast after the ketone IQ. Absolutely. All right. Here we go. Here goes nothing. Just right down the pipe. Oh, nice. I came and even pick it up.
0: <laughs> One, two, three.
1: Oh, my gosh, dude. You give me such a big piece.
0: Now we're ready to rock a podcast.
1: That's done. How was that? So I mean, I didn't taste it because we just like swallowed it immediately. Um, but I thought I was gonna like record my death by choking on it because that was a really big piece of raw liver.
0: Swallowing it is like is the hard like the hardest part. Like it's not even the taste; it's swallowing that thing.
1: Yeah, it was is that like the the recommended amount? Like, how much was that an ounce? One ounce,
0: yeah. Actually, actually, that was under an ounce. That that weighed a little bit less, like 0.87.
1: And they say just like an an ounce a day keeps the doctor away or what? An ounce a day. Superpowers? I guess, man. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I looked into
0: it. It's nature's superfood. I mean, it literally, it's supposed to give you the most nutrient. It's the most nutrient-dense thing on the planet. Um, And, you know, with everything going on. Within the body, I'm like, you know, I'm trying anything. So if it if it can help, then we'll uh, we'll find out.
1: Yeah, I mean you can just tell by how dark the color is too. Like I feel like yeah. color colors are kind of like an indication of nutrients and food and like that's a really dark piece of meat and it a little <laughs> it's, slimy, but uh, it's
0: dark. And you do it raw because you cook it and it like and then it kill like, it kills the benefits. Mm. Um that's the point of doing it raw. But I've had a lot of people reach out and they're like, Dip it in honey, dip it in maple syrup, put salt on it, freeze it. Um, take it like pills, um, but I mean, I think raw that that thing that was raw right out of the package, raw with sea, with pink Himalayan sea salt.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take it. And then the ketone IQ. Um, I, I think that'll have us flowing here in a little bit. So let's let's kind of just, you know, have a jumping off point here for some context. We were planning to do this podcast before the Leadville one hundred. And then we're like, you know what? Let's do it after the Leadville 100. Let's do it in Leadville like the day after. And then everyone needed their rest after the Leadville 100 and rightfully so. Did you uh, bring? Did you bring the I stuff? I brought everything. Bro, I, I didn't know it all. that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No big deal. It happens. Yeah. So we got our rest um, as we needed and uh, ultimately ended up coming back to Texas planning to do the podcast, you know, the next week at the latest and things just happened, and, and life happened, and, uh, you know, we've basically waited so long to record this podcast that you have attempted another 100 miler before I could even sit down with you for a podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> keyword word on that one is attempted. Yeah. Uh,
1: little little humbled,
0: but, um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, I'm always moving, you know that, always moving. You
1: move fast. Um, well, tell us a little bit about that, just so, you know, we can get some context, context around uh, where we're at now, and, and we can kind of use that as as the entryway to our conversation today.
0: Yeah, so like post Leadville, um, you know, I kind of had that. I had a clarity moment where you know we failed the first Leadville attempt, and coming into Leadville two, I'd waited so long, and I did this race, and we finished it, and everything was great. I took a nap. I woke up. I went outside. I literally sat outside. Casey Klein and Drew Darby like found me sitting outside. I sat outside on the grass for an hour. And something just wasn't sitting right. Like I didn't feel fulfilled. And over the next two weeks, I came to terms with like I just I wanted to do more. And I set my sights on um, doing four 100s in 105 days. With Ludville being one, number two being the Saddle to Surf, number three being Tunnel Hill, number four being Brazos. And I made the decision to go race a 10 miler in New York. And during that time, we reaggravated a fracture in my leg and actually found out this week that we fractured that again before the 100-miler. Um, so by the time we got through the 100-miler, got to mile 73, and um, the, the, everything was locking up. The pain was so immense that we had to... I, I couldn't take another step. We had to pull out.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the first question I'll ask... And then we can kind of dive into why I believe this was the case. But like the question that probably anyone will ask and I'm sure you've heard is why? Why wasn't Leadville enough? Why did you need more? Um, you know, what's the reasoning behind that?
0: Yeah, you know, and, and I think honestly, like I'm still, I'm still working through that. Like I'm still trying to figure out what that is because it's like I I get into these, I get into this mindset and you know it's a little bit of toxicity towards myself, but I feel like I just I can't I can't celebrate a win, mm. and you know that goes back to the BPN marathon a, a legit win like I won the mm-hmm. BPN marathon I was living on a high and I had this need to do Ironman Texas six days later mm-hmm. I did Ironman Texas and that's where we broke that's where we broke the fibula at mile twenty four of that race and I pr'd Ironman Texas. And that was awesome. Like, like I felt great. I was forced to take time off, mm-hmm. but like, I'm always like, there's just a point where it's hard for me to, to celebrate. Like, I'm always just trying to chase the next thing. I think I have this persona about me where it's like, I want, like, I want to keep chasing these hard things because I have this, you know, I just started running in 2021. Like I have, like, I feel like I've wasted so much time. hmm you know, from, from my, my adulthood, um, that I didn't start running till I was 26. And, you know, I, I, have wasted so much time that I just, I feel like I need to, I feel like I have so much to do and so little time to do
1: it. How much of, of that is truly your, your internal pressure that you're applying to yourself? And how much is it the feeling of a need to continue to perform for social media?
0: That's a great question because, you know, um, I had a friend you know, that I was talking to today, and I'm not going to dive too deep into that conversation, but um, a friend that I was talking to on the phone and just telling him you know, issues that I thought I saw mm-hmm. um, through social media, and he pretty much was like, are you, are you sure you're not just making this shit up in your own mm-hmm. head? And, you know, I don't feel the need... I don't feel the need to prove myself, um, but... I do, I do feel the need, I, what it is, is I have this need of, I don't wanna let anyone down. And I have so many people that reach out to me daily and weekly, monthly, that tell me like, I'm inspired by you, I'm running my first marathon because of you, I'm running my first half marathon because of you, and I have this thing inside me that it's like, I, I feel like I need to keep doing these things to you know, not let these people down and i know that that's probably not healthy for me mm-hmm. but it's just it's something i developed because i don't i don't like letting people down i don't i don't like not doing what i say i'm going to do or what you know i set goals towards
1: yeah and what i will say is that the amazing thing about social media and and just you know our human nature is that we can be inspired by so many different aspects of our existence. And I think for you right now, being at a place where you're injured, you're going to have to overcome both mentally and physically this challenge that you're faced with. And that's something that people can derive inspiration from, maybe even more than seeing you run 100 miles. Because I know for me, one thing that I hate seeing on social media is when people portray the image that, they are bulletproof, mm-hmm. and that they can push through anything, finish anything they set their minds to, and that there's no issues around it. Yeah, because it's just it's a it's an inaccurate portrayal of the reality of how hard these things are that we do.
0: Yeah, and that was something you know I I feel the same way, and that was something you know like that reel that we were just talking about where I will never be that person that that you know, I mean, I mean, we, we finished, like we, we pulled ourselves out of the race Mm -hmm. and even, and I, and I made a story post, like, like like Drew Darby had my phone and was updating my, my -hmm. Instagram all day. And we posted 20, like we were in the car 20 minutes later and we said Mm -hmm. mile, mile 73 DNF. And we said, why? And even the next morning, like Drew came up to me, and Drew works with many, many, many ultra runners mm-hmm. and ultra athletes. And Drew came up to me, and he's he goes, "I was so surprised that you posted that." Um, he's like, you know, I see people that will wait months mm-hmm. to to say anything, and you know, he's like, I, uh, I'm glad, I'm I'm glad that you're that type of person that admits defeat, and. I think that's why that, that reel has been kinda of kicking off is, you know, people 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 just like you said, people want to see that you're not Superman. You can act like you're Superman all day and people want to see the real you.
1: Yeah. And and you know, this is almost a, a place that you've been this year too. You mentioned the, the initial injury happened at Iron Man, Texas, and I remember having discussions with you. And just saying, like, dude, we, we've got to make sure that you finish Leadville this year. Yeah. Leadville was extremely important to you. Do you, do you want to kind of dive into why Leadville was so important this year? Yeah.
0: You know, um, it's a story that a lot of people know. You know, last year we, we got into Leadville um, 29 days before the race and had no time to prepare. And you know me, we still, we threw down, we went there, we went to throw down and got pulled out at mile 27, mile, mile 27, got pulled out at, made it, at, all, the way to made it all the way to 87 miles and got cut off by time. And man, that just like, that ate at me, mm-hmm. that ate at me for so long. Um, Cause that was my, that was my first quote unquote failure. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I ever set my mind to something and I didn't accomplish that. Like I, I had set my mind to winning an ultra marathon in, in March of last year and I won an ultra marathon in March. I set my, set my mind on going sub three in January and I went sub three in January. Like that was the first time that I set my mind on something and I had to learn how to fail mm-hmm. or, or what failure was to me. So Leadville was super important this year and it was different. You know, we had, uh, I had the best support crew that I could have asked for with you, Casey, Lauren, um, my brother was there. Mike was there. Uh, my mom was there. Like everyone was there. Drew was mm-hmm. there, and we had the fucking dream team, man. And that that was a difference maker. It's having mm-hmm. people there that truly supported you, and it makes it a hell of a time. And we got it done. And now that is in the rearview.
1: Mm-hmm. What what was that moment like? Because I remember I can go back to my Hunter miler, and you know, there's those moments that are so special with the people that are there to support you. And, you know, I, I know crossing the finish line of my 100 miler, like you're, you're pretty beat down and broken off. Um, by the time you cross the finish line that it's almost as if like the things you truly take away are the moments that preceded that, uh, whether it be the moments of struggle or just the moments of community that you had with those people who are there to support you. Um, so, you know, to, to have that, cross that finish line and feel like the thing that you have been working towards for 12 months. I mean, truly mindset towards it for 12 months, you did other things in the interim, but it was like, no matter what, these decisions that we make have to be filtered towards the understanding that we're running Leadville in August and we're going to finish that thing. Yeah. And I paced you for that section where ultimately it led to a cutoff last year. Yeah. And I remember when we got to the end of my pacing section at May Queen you said this is where I got cut off last year like I came out of this basically you know technical terrain and boom like it was just over just like that. What did it feel like to conquer that this year? Was it was you know, it, it was... everything you thought it would be or was there still something more that you wanted out of it?
0: You know, it was it was more than what I thought it was going to be because of my because of my crew. Mm-hmm. And like and I really do mean that because I remember key moments of the race. Like like the first key moment I remember is coming into outward bound and I remember like I remember Mike grabbing me and like that was the first moment like I remember Mike mm-hmm. and Lauren grabbing me and pulling me over off to the side. And the biggest thing for me, it was everything and more. It was, you know, and the big, the big thing was my crew. Like, you know, seeing uh, Mike, you know, seeing you. Like, they're they're seeing you, and I can't remember if it was no, it was coming into into outward or into uh, Twin Lakes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's on audio as I'm coming down into Twin Lakes. You're like, dude, I'm so proud of you. You can hear it on the audio. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like we're grown men. Yeah. And like, and like to hear that, like on the audio, like every time I listen to it, I hear that on the audio mm. and like hearing that and think about that moment with you and Mike, like, like Mike was doing everything he could to help me and rubbing, like rubbing a shame muscle gel on my legs. Um, you know, I picked up Casey and was so fired up that I dropped her. I dropped Casey, Casey, I know that you're going to listen to this and I did drop you <laughs> and it was only because she couldn't breathe. Like, she could not breathe well. Yeah. I was on a high. Um, then we saw you guys again. And my next thing with Mike is when I threw a Zen in a Zen pouch at like seventy something, yeah. and Mike is like, "What the hell is happening?" Yeah, picked you up. Moment with you that I remember is you're trying to feed me, and I and I literally yeah. never hated you more in that moment than like I, I'm pretty sure I, I grabbed that cookie and I like tossed it off the mountain.
1: Dude, I'm such a pushover too. That like I remember you were like, "All right, we need to pick up the pace. Hold me to." Like what? Twenty minutes per mile? Like, <laughs> yeah, you' Like hold me to because this. Because I had blisters. Yeah, My,
0: yeah, was, yeah that, that, At that point, we were like eighty miles deep, and it was like Boy, we were like eighty, climbs. we were like eighty-five. Yeah, we we're like eighty-five miles deep, and like we kn- like, I was getting goofy, but like I, we all knew we were gonna finish, and oh, I was yeah. just like, like we just needed to hold a hold a good pace. Yeah,
1: but I mean, listen, Leadville's crazy, man. Like we were climbing for I I was the out there time. with you for twelve miles. Yeah. We were climbing for like ten of those miles and I swear the other two miles that we maybe weren't climbing as much was extremely technical.
0: Well well it was it was the two miles where we descended mm-hmm. into into May Queen. Yeah. And it and, and, and my quad my quads, that's mm-hmm. where people were passing us because yeah. my quads were so destroyed. Right. Um Yeah, it was wild. And then yeah, we picked up Lauren and Lauren was a godsend. Like like if, if it wasn't for her, and I'm so glad because I I strategically paced you, and I mm-hmm. knew that like Lauren would took no take no shit. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, you're like I'm a pushover. Yeah. So I put you in the middle. Like <laughs> like I needed Casey as a hype woman, and I got that. And Casey and I knew that Casey was gonna be there to get, like talk to me. Like we talked the entire yeah. time. You I knew that like I needed you because I knew that like you're a bad motherfucker, and you were gonna be there with me when I was at my worst. Mm-hmm. Then I put Lauren where like I knew that I needed someone that was was wasn't gonna take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And I begged Lauren for a nap, I begged Lauren to sit down, I begged Lauren to not eat, and like she was like, no, like you're like you need to shut the hell up. Like you're yeah. gonna you're gonna get this done. The only thing that I regret about Leadville is the entire race I pictured us all finishing together. And then I went back and I looked at that raw footage of me and my mom and we all we just weren't all on the same page. Right. And I like like when I saw my mom all you guys all of you guys pulled off. I was under the assumption that like you guys were behind me, mm-hmm. and and I hugged my mom. My mom pulled off, and then you guys weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that you guys had pulled off until I got that video. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if I could, you know, I I pictured us all finishing together, and that was just one thing afterwards where I was like, damn, like I really wish, I really wish we would have done that different, um, you know, because it, because it, I mean, you, the the crew and the Pacers, like they yeah. put in the work too, man. Yeah, and. But yeah other than that like
1: bloodville man i mean listen the people that were there it, it's truly amazing to see everyone functioning let's be honest at like 50% but they're maximizing every bit of their strength every step of the way and
0: they're operating like a nascar pit stop mm-hmm. like 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 it was a nascar pit stop yeah. like do you remember how chaotic Outward Bound was. I think about Outward Bound. Outward Bound's chaotic because they you guys were off the path. Mm -hmm. And last year, like like my crew wasn't off the path. Like Mm -hmm. I literally I literally walked right up to them. Mm -hmm. I had to like it was packed. Yeah, and I had to like weasel through the crowd. And yeah, crewing's hard. My crew at Saddle to Surf. Uh, that that was that was wild. Um, my crew chief, who you like, Mm -hmm. you were kind of crew chiefing that was Drew, and Drew was also my content guy. So (laughs) there was, uh, when we left, when we, when we left the start line at Saddle the surf, I had nothing in my vest.
1: Yeah. He told me about that. I had nothing. I had, I had no, I had nothing.
0: I literally had my vest on and there was nothing in it. There was nothing, no water, no nothing. But that's a whole, that's a whole story down down the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, just to kind of tie a bow on Leadville. I think, I think the main takeaway for me in seeing what you've done over the past few months is you can draw a lot of amazing lessons from both success and failure. Mm-hmm. And I guess my next question is, do you almost feel like you draw more uh, lessons or like more value from the failure?
0: It's hard because it really depends on the failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, in, in, in what you define failure as. Um, I feel like I learned. I learned nothing at Saddle the Surf. Like mm. there was nothing that I learned about myself. There was nothing that I learned about. Like we kind of just went out there and and did it on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a smaller race, um, but you know, like I learned a lot from Ludville. But I also think that like it takes a lot. You know, like you you have to put your you have to risk a lot of things. You have to you have to put failure on the table mm. in order to learn. So I think. I think you learn more by putting failure on the table and doing something so hard that you have the probability of failing in order to learn something. That's where I think you learn the most is just failure being on the table. Whether you fail or not, if you put failure on the table and have it be a true fucking possibility, that's when you're going to learn something no matter what happens, no matter if it's a good or bad outcome.
1: Does failure scare you at all?
0: Not anymore. Because I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Leadville really taught me, it really taught me how to fail or not really how to fail because failure is what you, failure is, you know, if you learn something, did you truly fail? The big thing is, is like if you set a goal and you don't achieve that goal, technically the the textbook definition is that you failed. Mm -hmm. But if you can learn something and take away and be able to reanalyze, readjust and continue moving forward. It's not really a failure. Run it back. Do it again. Yeah. Figure it out, do it different and do it again. And it and it's not a failure. So the I think the real real question here is what what is failure?
1: Yeah. Yeah, failure is a word that I've gone back and forth on. Um, I agree with you that like if we learn a lesson, it's not a failure. But I also believe that assigning a word that just like evokes such a response like failure does. Like when I ask people about failure, when I talk about failure, when I tell somebody that I failed, it's almost like they want to suppress that that blow, like that that harsh word that I said. We don't want to accept it. And I do believe that if we fall short of something and if we then learn from it, ultimately we come out stronger, but I also believe in assigning that meaning to it by saying, Hey, I fell short and I'm not afraid to call it a failure. Right yeah. now. What am I going to make of it?
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And here's the thing. Saddle to surf. The goal was to go under 18 hours mm-hmm. and I broke my fucking leg. Like I don't, I don't categorize that as a failure. Yeah. You know, I mean, did I, I did not accomplish my goal. So technically, did I fail? Y- yeah. But to me, like in my mind, I don't look at, like, I don't look in my mind to saddle the surf and think about it and think fail. Like, like I did with Ludville 1. Mm. Like, like Ludville 1 afterwards, I was like, I was destroyed for 365 days. So, what, like, what makes it so different? And that's, and, 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 and I think it's, I think it's very, you know, it's very subjective. And I feel like as humans, we determine in our head we determine our own failures. I don't think anyone else can determine what our failure is.
1: What about Leadville One versus Settle to Surf was a failure?
0: See, and that, and I don't know because I mean, I mean, Leadville One was like I set my sights on that. I was like I'm going to run 100 miles, mm-hmm. and maybe because it was it was the my very first ultra marathon over a 50k. Mm -hmm. And it was my very first run ever over 40. Mm -hmm. And it was my very first 100 miler, maybe because, maybe because I just, I wanted to knock it out. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe at that time I thought I had something to prove, which like, I think, I think I did for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I was trying to prove things. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, here's the thing. My mind decides things and and I either go to war against it or I let it roll. And I think that we just kind of decided that as odd as that sounds, my mind just kind of decided that Saddle to Surf wasn't a failure and I'm just gonna roll with it.
1: Do you think it's the meaning you put behind it?
0: Yeah, I do. Because I feel like I feel like Saddle to Surf didn't didn't mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. It was just a uh, a schedule filler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a great there's a great plot behind the race to uh, help kids, and I loved that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the money goes to a charity. I loved that, but to me, it was more of like it was more of like a fun run, and it was literally through the cities, like it was through, you know, Norco down to Huntington Beach. Like it, it didn't feel to me like like this wasn't Western States, this mm-hmm. wasn't UTMB, this wasn't the Habalina Hundred. Like this was a <laughs> This is a pavement race through Southern California. Yeah. Sick, still a hundred miles still not to be taken lightly, but there wasn't a lot of meaning to it behind me. And I signed up three weeks out. Yeah. So I didn't really have a buildup to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your buildup was running a pretty, pretty good time in Brooklyn, but, uh, yeah, Brooklyn, obviously yeah. not, not related in terms of the distances and the training Bronx. Yeah. Bronx. Um, you know, I, I just, I ask about the meaning thing because I've I've signed up for races and I've tried to convince myself that I wanted something and it was the moments where I truly wanted something. Like I believe you truly wanted Leadville both the first year and especially this year. Yeah, It was that moment that you knew that you would do anything to finish that race and I saw that in your eyes on the course in the days leading into Leadville this year and I just know that when you put yourself in the same position even if you're strong enough to overcome the situations that you faced at saddle to surf, which I do believe if that's Leadville, you still finish Leadville this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And here's, and here's the thing on that is like my leg, like, like I, I was, our, I wasn't mentally defeated, but I was, I was mentally fucked up. Like, like we already said, like you and I already, you know, and you chatted with drew. We couldn't run the night before mm-hmm. 4 PM. Right. We went to do the shakeout run the night before saddle to surf. And I couldn't run because I was in so much pain. Hmm. I made it to the start line, like, like you know what I mean, like, like I was like, I'm, I'm still like, like we're gonna, we're gonna throw this bitch down and see what happens, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we did, and man, to lead that thing, number one, to lead that thing to mile seventy three, and to get to mile seventy three, I was good, I, I, I was good, I could have walked it in, mm-hmm. but at that point, it was like we're going to do more damage to the leg walking this in, and we're gonna, you know, we were at. 14 hours at that point like we were going to finish at like 29 hours like like if, if i was walking 30 minute miles mm-hmm. no one wants to be out there for 29 hours walking and, and damaging your body for a race that has no implications on my life later
1: it's risk over reward
0: risk over reward and start line risk over regret
1: mm-hmm. try so it out where do you find yourself now um dealing with this injury what what are the opportunities that that sit before you even in this challenging moment?
0: I mean, at this moment, like I'm pretty lost to be honest. Like I'm just, you know, my routine has changed. My days are different. Um, you know, I'm tracking all my food now I'm weightlifting. Um, I had a plan. Like, like I, I had a plan and the plan was yanked away from me and that you know that's where I think the true person is built and how they can adapt and overcome like I think back to the military right and you have this objective and you plan for days and days and days on like what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and then always in training as soon as you get ready, they'll change it right away mm-hmm. and they'll throw something at you that literally fucks it all up. And so luckily, like, I think, you know, I've been through a lot of training like that. And I think I have the mental toughness and the resiliency to adapt and overcome because I was taught that for so long. Um, But it is a struggle. It's, it's, it's hard to, to, you know, kind of figure it out. I mean, I had, I had a, a 100 planned, you know, in November and then a 100 planned in December. And now, now I don't have anything. Um, you know, it's hard to, you know, when you represent all of these brands and you represent them around the ultra space and around running, it's hard to feel like you didn't let them down. Um, yeah, it's just something that, you know, at this point I'm trying to, I'm trying to navigate and work around, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how I am right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked that question because I know after my first 100 I anticipated the struggle that is like losing that thing that you've been training for, and you truly build your daily life around that goal,
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, I was running like you know this, I was running a hundred and hundred hundred one hundred mm-hmm. to a hundred and twenty miles a week, yep. like I was running, I was actively running for almost twenty hours a week mm-hmm. so imagine like going to a job for twenty hours and then now you have no job like what what do you do? For those 20 hours a week, like that's, you're running six days a week. What's that? Four, four hours, three hours a day, Mm -hmm. three, you know, a little over three hours a day. Now three hours, and then you add in travel time, you add in, you know, time that you get back, you're going to shower time that you're going to eat. Like I now have a free five and a half hours in my day every day. And for me, it's like, it's like, okay, like, you know, I've allotted this five and a half hour block for running for so long now what do i fill it with
1: you know it's funny you mentioned you have a job for 20 hours a week and then it disappears how about you have a job for 40 hours a week and it it consumes your mind for much more than 40 hours a week and then it disappears like these are things that people experience and we know running is simply just like so many lessons of our our daily lives that we get to live out and we get to choose that struggle until it's taken away from us and what do you do i I wish anyone had a really good answer all you do is you you sit in that struggle and i sat in that struggle um both you know coming off of running or losing a job And then you're sitting in that struggle once again, because I know you did after Ironman Texas. Yeah. And, and what do you do? You, you almost have to appreciate it because there's something that's going to be learned from it.
0: Yeah. And now, like, like you said earlier, right? Like, like I, I did not run for 51 days after Mm -hmm. Ironman Texas in April. I didn't run the last two weeks in April and the entire month of May. Mm -hmm. That was freaking hard. Yeah. This hasn't been that hard. Now, am I? You know what I like? Like I'm relating it to the hard that I felt in April. In April, I was destroyed. I was mm. meant like like if you had asked me how I was in April, I'd have busted down crying, instantly. Like I was lost. Yeah. You know, but the the cool thing is that I think I like I learned from that. And I read a quote the other day, and it was. Sometimes the storm doesn't always come to destroy you, but it comes to wash things away that couldn't be. Mm -hmm. And so what what I got from that is sometimes bad shit has to happen in order to clear your path for better things. And the more that you go through these tough things – the more that you're going to learn how to do them next time when that when it happens because it's it, this is life like 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 you're going to have bad shit happen to you you are going to lose your job you are going to b- break a bone you're going to lose money you're going to have to adapt and the more that you have to adapt the more that it's that you're going to be able to adapt later and do better later when it happens again cuz it's not just going to happen once Not everyone, I don't care who you are, you're not gonna have a perfect life. Something fucking bad is going to happen to you and you're going to have to adapt to that. It's going to help you later. So if you can just, you control the situation with the way that you react to it. I'm put in this bad situation, right? Like my my livelihood is built off of running, Mm -hmm. 100%. I left the military, I went in, all in on coaching, all in on athlete. My livelihood is there and then we get to a point where like where that is ripped away from me i have two choices i either sit in it and be sad and and this sucks and my life sucks and i can't believe this happened to me woe is me blah 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 fuck that like okay this happened let's go hit the gym let's get stronger let's 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 track our food let's track our macros let's, let's, let's double down on coaching. Let's double down on work. How can we make more money? How can we, how can we build better relationships with people? Now I have time. Now I have the five and a half hours I lost. What can I do with those five and a half hours to better me, better my life, better my relationships, better my bank account? What can I do? There's two ways to look at it.
1: Yeah. It's almost like we need to be brought back to that state of balance because As people who are very driven and and we love to express ourselves physically and we love to set these scary goals and find that level of discomfort that we can overcome if the world does not bring us down at some point we'll never allow ourselves to find that balance and by balance i mean you get to invest all of those values that you express through running or through physical activity you get to now invest those in other ways like you were just mentioning
0: yeah And, and, and just like you said, like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day at the gym and that's what I told them. I said, this was God slowing me down. Mm -hmm. Like this was, this was, you know, this, if I didn't, if this didn't happen, I would have ran, I would have ran on this leg until it snapped, until it literally snapped. And the, and I, and I would have never taken, like, if I didn't pull out of that race because I was literally that hurt. I would have never taken like, like like I I hurt I hurt myself again during a track workout. I rebroke that bone during a track workout. We found that out with the doctors. That bone was rebroken during a track workout and it was hammered down on at the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And then we hammered down on it again during a 100-miler. I was hurt and I was still continuing to run. Being hurt progressed into being physically I was still running hurt. And then it progressed into Being physically unable to move my body and I'm like, okay, like now I need to go get this checked out. If I would have not have been physically unable to move my body, I would have still kept running and not went to the doctor. I broke, I broke the, I broke the entire fibula in in April and didn't even go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Like this, this all, this all was meant to happen. This was meant to slow me down. I need to slow down a little bit, reevaluate, and go for what's next.
1: Brought back to earth
0: brought back down, um, you know, blessing in the skies, maybe we'll see, um, you know, lots of lots of big things to come in 2024.
1: I mean, I've been there. Fortunately, um, nothing's broken physically in the past few years. But I can I can honestly say that everything that you just described from a physical perspective, like was broken in me mentally and emotionally eight to 10 months ago. Yeah, And I look back at those moments and it's really hard to digest that struggle and, and the situation that you feel like you forced yourself in. It's like, why did I put myself in this situation and now I have to deal with the consequences? But as you begin to navigate your way through that and you see that you are made for more than that thing that you were potentially over-investing in, that's where you start to realize that you needed to break. You needed to to lose that thing that you thought was so important. And in reality, it was only just a small part of your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this will allow me to kind of reevaluate a lot of things. And, um, you know, I've had a bunch of people tell me a bunch of, a bunch of close friends that I value their opinions. Tell me that I needed to, you know, I need to slow down and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But now, now we're slowing down. We're gonna slow down a little bit.
1: So what can you do in in those moments where you're slowing down and, and really the the real question is when you're healthy again do you have the foresight to say man I need to watch out to not push so far to you know for lack of a better term a breaking point no <laughs> right
0: <laughs> because here's the thing I broke I broke because the body wasn't ready and I've been doing this only since 2021, Mm -hmm. you know, um, here's, here's, and why I, why I say no and why I say this is because when, when I healed after those 51 days, when I quote unquote healed and the broken bone was, you know, better, I was running a hundred miles a week, still on a fracture and had no idea. And I was fine. The body will adapt. You just, I just will be way more strategic and build up the miles for a lot longer next time. Because our bodies are capable, our bodies will will adapt. People, runners get injured. Top tier runners get injured, but the people that don't get injured, think about Sally McRae. Sally McRae runs all of these races and, and is injury free mm-hmm. because she trains correctly. Mm-hmm. I don't train correctly. I train hard, long, and stupid. Yeah, and that's that's what I think I learned is like. I need to, I need to do this smarter or I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking be out of this sport. Yeah. Quickly. And I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to mess that up. So train smarter, be smarter and take care of yourself a little bit better. I don't prior I I never prioritize recovery. That was a big issue too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think two things, the line moves, uh, certainly like when you get back and you build back, you are stronger for all of the training that you put in, whether, It ended up breaking you or not, you are stronger for it, and that line has probably progressed a little bit further. The other thing is it goes back to what we were talking about with social media and showing those hard moments is that you can honestly say, like, I wasn't doing it right. There's smarter ways to do it, and you're looking up to someone like Sally who's a perfect representation of, like, through years and years and years, I'm sure injuries, she understands that, like, there are times where you have to scale back. There are times where you can really push.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean during her, you know, during all of those races, you know, during the, like, the Choose Hard movement, um, she was running, you know, 100 to 200-mile races, and between these races was not running at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of runners get mixed up, is that as soon as they are done with a race, they want to get right back to running. Me and I'm talking. It's me. I am runner. <laughs> you know they want they want to get right back into running again. And then you look at these top tier athletes like Sally, and Sally does you know Badwater in what June, mm-hmm. and then the next race was August for Ludville, mm-hmm. or maybe, no, she raced Tahoe in July. She raced June, July, August. Mm-hmm. But between the June and July races, she did not run between or very very minimal Yeah. and then between the July and August races she did not run or very very minimal she focused on strength training she focused on keeping her body limber and you know there's smarter ways to do this than what I do I don't I do not claim I tell all my athletes that do as I say not as I do Yeah. because I do shit the stupid way and I don't know that's just maybe that's what makes it so fun to follow along
1: I I think it's about just understanding what you place the most importance on. It's like, do you want the instant gratification of being able to train today and say and show that you trained really hard, or do you want the delayed gratification that is doing it the smart way, which sometimes means pulling back and investing in the recovery, in the rest, in the other areas of your life. And if you can pull back at the right times, not all the time, but if you can pull back at the right times, then you're going to peak at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I heard, you know, r- listening to an audio book, basically discussing like marathoning and it's like, don't peak too early. And I think that <laughs> in today's culture with social media, we're all trying to peak every single day.
0: Yeah. 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 I agree with that hundred percent. Everyone's yeah. I mean, everyone's just trying to do the next hard thing. And, It's me. I'm everyone. (laughs) I keep saying that. Uh, You know, I don't know, man. It's all, it it all is what it is. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. But I will also be the first one to tell you like, hey, I fucked up. Like my bones broke because I didn't train the right way. Am I going to fix it next time? I don't know. Maybe, you know, but it's my consequences. I'll reap it and we'll go from there.
1: Unapologetic, but self-aware.
0: 100%. Yeah, 100%. You know, there's 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 plenty of people on social media that love telling me in my inbox that like I'm an idiot yeah. or like, you know. I'm sorry, I apologize <laughs> for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, hey, look, people like I know. Like I already know these things. Like like I know this. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's what I told everyone, you know, when everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, like that sucks, you broke your bone." And I'm like, "Well, I made my bed. Now I'm going to lie in it." I mean, I mean, I knew. Like I knew. I knew the night before. The night before I should have, I should have pulled out of the race, but I chose to, I had the opportunity. I thought that if I have the opportunity in front of me, this flat course, the the perfect weather, the perfect temperatures, the perfect place, I can go sub 18 if everything goes right. So I took the risk and it didn't pay out. So that's my problem. And now we adjust and we move on.
1: What's your relationship with regret?
0: I mean, really? Like should you ever regret anything you do? Because at one time you chose to do it. Anything that you do in your entire life. This is this is what I say. Regret nothing. Because what you are regretting now at one point was something that you wanted to do.
1: Do you do you feel though that, that people wind up only regretting the things that they didn't try? Because I feel like you don't even put yourself in that position, which is why I asked the question. It's like, you don't leave room for regret. Sure, you could say, man, I regret trying, but I know you and the discussion that we've had here already today and i know that that's not where your regret is driven from it's if you said no it's probably smarter if i don't do this that's where you would live in regret
0: yeah 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 absolutely because the only regret i'm going to find is that if i went out to saddle the surf and i snapped my leg and i'd be like damn like i should not have done that <laughs> so yeah the regret that i find is like you know but just but but like i but like i just said should i why regret it when i when at one time i made the choice hmm. because i wanted to do it anything that you ever do anything that you ever make the choice to do in that moment when you are making the choice to do it you want to do it so why are you going to regret it later you wanted you in that moment wanted to make that choice so if you regret it later you need to remember that at one time whether that was 10 minutes ago, 10 hours ago, 10 days ago, 100 days ago, at one time when you made the choice to do it, you wanted it.
1: I, I really think the only regret we should allow ourselves to have is when we have one foot in and one foot out. And and we don't fully commit because we're like, well, maybe I should and maybe I shouldn't. And you know, maybe you should have gone to Run saddle to surf, maybe you shouldn't have, but when you were there, when you were in that moment, even when the sign said that maybe you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you still said, But I'm here, so I'm all in on it. Yeah, and there's no room for regret when you accept the fact that I'm all in on this present moment mm-hmm. and that presence. Man, I was talking to a friend the other day about my experience with running 100 miles and. And seeing, you mentioned Lauren, seeing Lauren crush her 100 miler this past weekend, she posted a video. She was at mile like 75 or 80, and you could tell she was hurting. And some weird part of me in the comfort of my apartment saw that and thought, man, I wish I was there right now. I wish I was at mile 80 with her experiencing those same feelings. And I, at the moment, I didn't know why. I didn't know why I wanted that feeling. I just knew that some part of me was like, that'd be pretty cool. But it was deeper than that. It was because I know that in that moment, all she can truly worry about is that next step, mm-hmm. is that next mile. And it's that, it's that presence. It's that presence in the moment that like, I don't know how else you get it, but that's how I want it. That's yeah. what I want that feeling to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah i mean that's different i was looking at her stories and i'm like damn like i've been there that's <laughs> <laughs> like like you're looking at her story like damn i wish i was there i'm looking at her stories like damn yeah i know how that's been a little bit longer for me i though. know yeah that's true <laughs> yeah man you're coming up on you're coming up on a year yeah um but yeah yeah i was looking at that and i'm like man like watching her walk the next morning yeah i was like ooh, like hard-earned i'm like yeah i know i know exactly how that feels but like that is actually something you're right. I mean, that is like, like that feeling of you put it all on the line. Like, Mm -hmm. like the next morning after saddle to surf when I couldn't stand up. Mm -hmm.
1: At least you did it. God, I love that feeling, Mm. man.
0: Like, like, because I know that I gave it everything my body had to the fact where I was like, granted, I had a broken bone, Yeah. (laughs) but I, I was in the bed and I had to yell out to drew and Abby and I'm like, hell someone needs to come help me get out of this bed i was like i can't like i i couldn't i couldn't like i literally i couldn't move my my legs Mm -hmm. like like i couldn't move my legs at all and they they had to come in and like there's a video of of drew like carrying me to the kitchen Mm -hmm. and yeah good times
1: it's just you don't know there's so much opportunity in our lives to leave it all out there but how often do we ever truly leave it all out there? I mean, I ran 100 miles and I can honestly say I didn't leave it all out there. There was still a little bit left to give. And I think that if you can even get close, like if you can even sniff that feeling of like, oh man, this is like me giving such a high capacity of myself, something about that. That is so true
0: because like I remember like, when I when I got done with Ludville, even you guys said that night, you're like, mm-hmm. you don't even look like you ran a hundred yeah. miles. I was so fucking prepared for mm-hmm. Ludville. Yep, and I could have, I could have won a lot. I f- I think I could have won a lot more miles that day. Mm-hmm. Saddled at to surf. No, yeah. I gave it all I had. I I can confidently tell you right now. There wasn't. There was not anything else left to give after at, when I sat down at seventy three. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't give anything more. I had nothing left, and so I've been there. I've been there on the on the point where, like you just said, like there's a little bit more to give. And now I've been to the point where I have nothing. I have nothing left to give, and they're both similar feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, the feelings after a hundred are the same, but to be to, to sit there at seventy three. And not have control over what's happening in your body. When when even Austin Clare, Austin Austin was standing there and he goes, "I'm I'm fucking mind blown right now," and he's like, he's, "He's like, you are so alert, you are so aware, you are you are bouncing off the walls right now from you know in your brain." And he goes, "And we're stopping."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, "I I don't have a choice. I can't. I cannot."
1: The mind will outlast the body.
0: Yes. if if you know how to train your mind
1: and that's exactly what I was thinking is the body and the mind are trained in synchronicity with each other but one is ultimately going to outlast the other like if you all of that training you did for Leadville you were training both your mind and your body and when you continue to do that and the mind strengthens at an even similar rate As the body is strengthening, that's actually where it gets dangerous because your mind's going to keep going. It's going to keep saying yes, more, more, more. And the body's like, Hey man, I can't keep up.
0: Yeah. That's why, that's why I think I'm so good at this. Honestly, like, like, like that's why I I am so hyped to continue this ultra journey because I feel like where other people's minds fail, mine mine is just getting started. Mm hmm. And my body, in everything I've done, my body starts to give out before my mind does. And others, for others that do things like this or that are just starting, their body will give out first. Mm -hmm. It's like if you can train your body to an elite level and then train your mind to an even higher level, you can always just push a little bit farther.
1: You're gonna strike gold at some point.
0: A little bit farther. One foot in front of the other.
1: Yeah, that's the, uh, I feel like, Everyone's searching for the thing, the X factor. And it's like, that's it. It's going in with, with such a confidence that you know, I'm not gonna quit. Like I'm going to keep going, no matter what it looks like from the outside. If I have this goal and I have conviction in this goal, you can't stop me. And it's that belief that will run you up against the wall sometimes, but ultimately, it's that belief that makes you who you are. And we all have the ability to channel that and, and use it to our advantage. But too many of us fail to train the mind to find that confidence that says, yes, you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That was solid. I don't even have anything to say to that. That, was, <laughs> that. that was great.
1: So what does this look like now? Because here's what I would imagine, right? We know if we stop training the body, the body regresses. You're at a point right now where you can train the body in certain ways, but not in the way that you love training it, which is in that ultra marathon capacity, in those moments where you truly have to like go to the edge of your capabilities. I would imagine and I believe that the mind can also regress alongside the body. So what does this look like the next few months as you as you battle bouncing back, recovering properly? Because we know we want to do this in a smart way so that we can have a strong year next year. Mm-hmm. But but we need the mind to be there. We need to be yeah. strong. We need to be value-driven. What does this look like for you?
0: You know, kind of just like what we talked about today, right? Is like you just find different ways to push your body to the limit. And we talked about that in the gym where, mm-hmm. you know, picking up weights, And training for hypertrophy Mm -hmm. and doing these bodybuilder type workouts to where you are pushing your muscles to failure every single set. We talked about that being very similar Mm -hmm. to finding that dark zone or, you know, that, that this sucks, you know, mentality. And right now for me, I think it's doing that, Um, you know, getting a bike uh, you know, get to get a bike on a trainer you can find a pretty dark spot on a bike. (laughs) i (laughs) promise you that. Um, you know, put the bike on the trainer, get on the bike. Um, you know, just stay active, right? Just, just, you know, but also take time to, um, you know, dive into, you know, more coaching stuff, more business stuff. Um, you know, keeping the mind sharp. I don't, I don't think that within, you know, two or three months that the mind's going to who, who, where my mind is now, my mind mm-hmm. will always be. Yeah. Who, who I am now, mentally, like I will always be mentally strong. Mm-hmm. been through too much shit, done, through, done too much shit. I don't, I don't think my mind regresses in three months, but the body will, and that's okay. You just build back. I've already built back once, and I built back way better mm-hmm. before I got hurt again. So now I know it's going to be more than 51 days because we did 51 days the first time. September thirtieth was the last day I ran, and you know maybe we go to December thirtieth. Mm-hmm. Maybe we take twelve weeks off. Maybe we celebrate the new year with a fifty-mile run right out the gate. <laughs> 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 oh shit! There's my toxicity again. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know, man. We'll figure it out. We're gonna we're gonna stay sharp. We're gonna we're gonna stay on it. Do some do some bodybuilding stuff, build some muscle, look good for a while. Then get the runner bod back. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to play with it. That's the best thing about the body. You can change it however you want.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, You caught a glimpse of, of, you know, just how strong you are. And I think that when we catch a glimpse of success, maybe we catch a win and that's a special moment for us. And it leaves us wanting more. We don't sit in that satisfaction and allow it to hold us over for the rest of our lives. And I think when you catch that glimpse and you see what you're truly capable of, man, you're hungry. And yeah. and you don't lose that feeling of like, I know I can get back there. And I think that's where you're going to be. And I think that's where everyone needs to be. Let yourself get that win. Let yourself push really hard for a goal that scares the heck out of you. And when you push hard for Risk it, it. And you achieve it, man. Risk it all. You can use that for anything else you want moving forward. As long as you can re up on that agreement with yourself every once in a while.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I love that. All right. Well, I'm
1: fired up. Yeah, I'm fired (laughs) up too.
0: I'm literally sitting here. I'm like, wow, you like some of this man's spitting some prophecy here.
1: Well, I appreciate you. Um, you know,
0: I'm glad we were finally able to lay it down, man. It's been,
1: when I reached out to you for the first time on Instagram, you were still in Iowa. I was in Texas. Actually, I was in Kentucky for, for Christmas break, knowing that I was going to run the Rocky Raccoon 100 in about six weeks. And I said, hey, man, oh, if you want to come, come pace, like, I'd be happy to have you. I'm, I'm looking for some pacers to help me get through these 100 miles. And it's a sign of who you are that you said, yeah, I'll be there. And from there, man, I was locked in on everything you were doing because I know that you were there to support me for everything I was.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, shit. Like, I saw the text that you sent mm-hmm. me. That was, what, my background for a while. I went through some shit. And, you know, everything I went through back home. And I had nobody. I didn't know anybody in Texas coming down here. I knew nobody. But I knew you and Abby were here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a relationship built around the ultras. Um, and here's the thing, man. If someone, if someone asks me for my help and I know that they are a genuinely good human being, like... I want to be there for people. I want to help people. I want to do everything I can for people. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a great thing. Um, You know, For you and I, it turned out great. We're great Mm -hmm. friends. We've been great friends ever since. Um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't even meet you until two days before Rocky, and then Adam Adam Kling tried to fucking kill me. (laughs) Like, literally the same day, Adam Kling put me through a workout and tried to kill me. And then I literally paced Austin, and I felt shittier than you when I was yeah. pacing you, <laughs> bro.
1: I I heard the uh, the horror stories oh from from your experience God. Oh pacing. My God, dude, <laughs> fuck!
0: And Pierce about Adam Clink tried to kill me during a workout, and then Pierce wrecked me on a on an electronic skateboard. Yeah. And then my whole ass was literally bare because I, yeah. I had no skin on my ass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I got your I got your car seats all lubed up, and. <laughs> There's a lot that can go to. That's (laughs) a whole other podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, all of that to say, I appreciate you. I am I am always in your corner to support everything you've got going on, and and really I do believe that, you know, we've talked a lot about the physical and the and the mental investments that we make in our lives, but like people, people are the ultimate investment that you can make. Invest in the people that surround you, and they'll invest back in you, and can't ask for more. No,
0: absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think the moral of the story here is, if you know, if you're looking into somebody, or you know, you look up to somebody, or you want somebody to be there for you, reach out and ask them a question. Mm-hmm. Hey, will you come pace me? Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to get coffee? Mm-hmm. Hey, I would love to meet you. Hey, I would love to connect with you. Like, if you would have never sent that message, we we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We wouldn't have had all those nights in the gym. We wouldn't have had the dinner at your house we wouldn't have done all these things send the fucking message man i think that's that that's another thing to close this out on is if you want to connect with someone if you want anything in life send the message
1: no hesitation man just send it send it all right thanks for listening have a great one yeah
0: we're out